0: I'd like to invite all of you to take your copy of God's Word, if you have it with you, and turn to the Gospel of John chapter 13, excuse me, chapter 12. And we're going to be reading today John chapter 12, verses 20 uh, through verses 33. If you are physically able, would you please stand with me in honor and reverence for the Word of God? Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered, and others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of the world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up, Will draw all people to myself. And he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus that we see in your word and for your heart that we see in Jesus. Take the reading and proclamation of your word and bless it and use it to accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it forth, we ask. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You can be seated. After 25, now getting close to 26 years as a minister of regularly giving Bible studies, sermons, talks, so forth and so on, I have learned that people like a story. People like a story. And um, that is just something that I, I can watch. Now, you are watching me, at least most of you. Some of you watch the back of your eyelids. Some of you watch your neighbors to see if they did. Ooh, that was good. I hope she heard that. But most of you are watching me most of the time, but you don't realize that I'm also watching you back. And so I've noticed many times that I can be going on with a profound truth and people are sinking and sinking. But then when I say, now the other day at Walmart, all of a sudden <laughs> people start to, and you know, I'm like, I was giving you the good stuff, but... You know, the other day at Walmart, and why is that? Because we all were at Walmart the other day. We we all we we get stories, they grab us and they remind us that it's real life. And guess what? Jesus did this a whole lot. He told stories. You know, one day he was asked a question, "Who is my neighbor?" Now, I'm going to tell you, he could have given a definition that was better than anything. You could look up on Wikipedia or anywhere else. He could have given an exact proper definition. But instead, when he was asked, who is my neighbor? He said, well, there was a certain man walking on his way, and he told the story of the Good Samaritan." of the man who was robbed and beaten and of how he was passed by, by a priest and by another teacher of the law. And finally, the Samaritan, the one who, you know, in their society, they thought, oh, those are those, are those half-breeds. Those are those stay away, you know, the word, the kind of things that we, we talk about. You don't talk that way and you don't think about people that way. And the Jews considered those Samaritans that type of people. And he said, this is the one who cared for him, who put him up, who paid his time, his money, his efforts, everything. And Jesus was able to then ask him, which of these men was his neighbor? And that story that all of us have heard all of our life, it communicates so well. And so I've learned that stories are great for, for grabbing attention. And I often use stories to, to tell a point, make a, emphasize a point that I might say God is love, but I tell a story that demonstrates that love and it's more powerful. And occasionally I start a story... And I tell a little bit of it and then I'll say, now a little while later we're going to get to the rest of the story. And, you know, there's that tension of, of where is this going and maybe come to the end and finish it up. But what I have found is very interesting is sometimes I tell a story and I'm telling it just to, to make a point I'm just kind of telling part of the story because this is the part that goes with the point that I'm telling you. And, and so I tell this story, and I think, oh, this is great. I made the point with that part of the story, and I go on and on, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving truth, man. I'm giving the word. I'm giving all kind of good stuff. And I get to the end, and people are walking out, and I think they're going to say, Pastor Tim, that sermon changed my life, you know, because they are coming at me. I can tell they're focused and they can't wait to get to me. And I'm I'm thinking I'm going to hear about a great thing God did in their life. And and they say, what happened? What was the rest of the story? You never told us. And I'm like, so all that stuff in between you weren't listening to. You were just waiting for the end of the story. And they're like, yes, tell me the end of the story. Why is it that we're wired like that? I mean, how many times have we sat through a media- mediocre TV show or movie that we think this is horrible, this is terrible, this is no good, but i got to see the end. i got to find out how it goes. How many times have we started a bad book and at least we flipped to the last chapter because we got to know how it ends? There's something in us that likes to hear, as Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story. We want to catch the end of it. We want to, we want to find out what's really going on here. And so in this passage, it's a, it's a very odd one to me, or it was, I don't know if you've ever caught this before, but there's a story, and then it just kind of, the story begins that Right after, by the way, this is right after Palm Sunday. They've entered, they have entered in, and this is the last week of Jesus' life. People have all laid down those palm branches. He's had that triumphal entry. And our, and our passage today starts with hey, there's some Greeks. And by the way, Greeks just meant anybody who wasn't the Jews, okay? Because We know that you've heard of a guy named Alexander the Great, and he pretty much conquered everything, and he spread the Greek language. So even though the Greeks weren't in charge anymore by Jesus' time, it was the Romans in charge, it was still Greek language and culture that was spread throughout most of the known world. And so when the Jews talked about Greeks or Gentiles, they basically meant anybody else who's not us good old Jews, okay? And so the Bible says that there were some Greeks who were there for the festival. That is, they weren't Jews, but they were kind of listening and learning about this Jehovah God, this God of the Jews, and and they were to worship, and they started hearing about Jesus, that maybe this was the one, maybe this was the Messiah that would come, and, and the one that they had heard about from these Jewish teachers and prophets. And so the Bible says that they go to Philip, and Philip in turn goes to Andrew, And Philip and Andrew go to talk to Jesus about these Greeks wanting to see them. And one small side note, every time you see Andrew in the Bible, he's always bringing people to Jesus. I love Andrew. He's one of my very favorite characters because he's always bringing and introducing people to Jesus. But Philip and Andrew, they go to Jesus and say, hey, there's some of these Greeks that are here and they want to talk to you. Did those Greeks ever get to meet Jesus? Did they ever get to have a conversation with Jesus? We have no idea. Because at that point, the story, at least involving the Greeks, it just stops. They go away. You never hear about them again. Did Jesus say, nope, I'm too busy? Did he say, yep, we're going to have some time? We don't know. Because Jesus starts to teach, and it's like... I, I don't get it. What's, I, I don't, where, where's the end of the story? There's nothing more. He replies when they say, hey, the Greeks are here and they want to talk to you. Jesus replies, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he begins to talk about his death. And he puts it in different terms. One way, he uses a powerful analogy. He says, a seed is just a seed. But once it dies... Planted in the ground, it multiplies, and new life comes. And from that new plant, many more seeds will come. He says, but that seed, until it actually dies, until it actually begins to go through that process in the ground, it's, it's not going to be where it ought to be. And I imagine the disciples were like, okay, Jesus, that's, that's, that's some good farm teaching. I, I'm glad you told us about that. And then he goes on and he starts talking about whoever loves their life versus whoever hates their life here on this earth. And he's talking about those who, you know, what is it about? What is it that you're about? What is it that that is happening in the focus of your story in your life? And he talks about servants. And I've read this passage so many times and said... I, I just, I've always wondered what happened to those Greeks. What is Jesus' answer to the Greeks? Why don't we get to hear about them anymore? Why does God live, leave us with this unfinished story, this cliffhanger? Don't you hate cliffhangers? Especially the show gets canceled and you never know what happened. And then I realized... It was part of the story. It took me reading someone else and listening to their teaching until I realized that Jesus was answering the story about the Greeks. You see, Jesus, when he was approached and said, hey, the Greeks, that is those non-Jews, those people outside of Jerusalem and Judea, but the rest of the world, they're coming And they want to hear. And Jesus' response was to tell them how the rest of the world would hear. It wasn't just about those particular Greeks, those few who happened to be traveling along with the other Jewish worshipers on that celebratory week leading up to the Passover. But it was for all mankind. Jesus said, hey, We're going to talk to the Greeks. We're going to tell the Greeks. We're going to show them and teach them how to believe. How is this? It's going to be through my work on the cross. Just as a seed, quote, dies, and then it comes into new life, and a a plant which will produce more and more seeds, Jesus said, my death will be how they learn. The Greeks, that is, the uttermost parts of the world, the rest of the world— us we're the Greeks we're part of that it's so funny because we talk about hey if something confuses us that's Greek to me but guess what what in this story in this time we're the Greeks we're part of the rest of the world that knows about Jesus not because we had a chance to sit down and personally talk to him on the day of Palm Sunday but we know about him because of his work on the cross That he would die for our sins. That he would bear all of our iniquities. Dying on the cross. And the Bible says that uh, here, both in this passage and in John 3 that we looked at last week. Talks about Jesus being lifted up on the cross. And Jesus was lifted up. And the Bible says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself, Jesus said. He was lifted up on the cross. He was buried, and he was lifted up out of that tomb. And 40 days later, he was lifted up, or not, or almost 40 days, several days later, he was lifted up into heaven, and he ascended. And so the rest of that story, as far as Jesus physically, what he would do was that the Greeks are coming. They want to know Jesus, and Jesus says, they're going to know me. Because I'm going to die on the cross. And theologians talk about the finished and completed work of Christ. And they are very correct in that sense that his work is completed on the cross. There's not one more thing that has to be uh, sacrificed for the sins of mankind. His death covered it all. We don't have to do Jesus' death plus our own works, plus our own goodness to get to Christ. His death covered everything. But when we talk about that finished work of Christ, we're talking about what he physically did in his own body before he ascended. You see, because what Jesus did was not yet all of the story. He paid the price that was finished. But the part about sharing the message, the part about knowing about Jesus and his crucifixion, that would be carried on by his people. Jesus makes it clear. He says anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world, and that is rejecting the worldliness all around us and following Christ." And listen, verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Jesus finished his part of the story, but it's up to his followers to finish the rest of the story. Jesus said, I sacrificed for mankind, I died for them, and I died that they might know the story. And my people, my followers, if they are like me, if they are to be true disciples, if they are to be ones that really honor me, like me, as, as I sacrifice, so that they will sacrifice, so they will deny themselves, so that the world might know. Some of you have read those types of little books that have, you know, Choose your own path story. You know, if, you, if she said yes, turn to page 82. If she said no, go to page 92. And you kind of decide which way you want the story to go. And Jesus says the story, the rest of it, is up to you as believers. You see, Jesus physically doesn't walk this earth anymore. But he called the church his body. He called us to be his hands and his feet. So the work of Christ on the cross is finished, but the work of telling people about what Christ did on the cross will never be finished until Christ comes again. And Jesus said, if you're my servants, if you're my followers, if you're those who love me, then it's your job to finish the story. Jesus didn't leave you On a cliffhanger, Jesus left you with a baton. Jesus left you with a mission. I've done my work on the cross. Now your work, your turn, is to take and live a sacrificial, God-honoring life as I live and to tell others about what I did. Finishing stories isn't easy. Lots of times when famous people die, if it be Charles Dickens or some other writer, they'll leave some work unfinished and people will try to finish it for them. You don't have to finish anybody else's story, though. You simply finish yours. You take up your role in the gospel story. You follow Jesus. You seek him. You serve him. You learn that this, my life, is not about me. Just as Jesus said, hey, this hour, and he was talking about the hour of his death, of the arrest, of the persecution, of the agony on the cross. He says, am I going to ask God to get out of this? He said, now, this is the hour that I came from. This is the time, this is my part of the story, and I'm going to do it. And God calls each of us to bear our crosses. He calls each of us to live out our stories to honor him. So what are you going to do with your story? You can choose to live your life loving this world. That is loving what everybody else in society says are the things that are good to love. Well, I want to, you know, I want to live in a certain kind of house. I want to have some cars. I want to have a certain amount of friends. I want to have this kind of relationship. And and we have the American dream. I'm sure other countries, Switzerland probably has the Switzerland dream. We, we all have ideas and thoughts about in our culture that says, this is what makes you truly successful and satisfied. But God says, if you want your story to track with my story, if you want to really be like me, then just as I lived Through difficulty, through hardship, through tough times. But I kept on my purpose toward the cross so that all mankind might be saved. If you love me, then you'll follow me and you'll live a life of sacrifice, of following, and of sharing the good news. So that the story of what I did on the cross will keep on bearing fruit. And as we die to ourselves, new life begins, just as Jesus' death brought new life and eternal life for us. What's the story of your life been so far? I don't know if you've ever had been given that exercise, if someone's ever said, hey, in just a few minutes, pinpoint your life, sum it up, and hit the highlights and and. and Tell me where your life's going. I've had to do that before, and it's it's kind of a sobering exercise because you realize we've all only got so many years, and you start to think, well, here's some things I've done, but here's some things I haven't done. Use your time and your story wisely so that you can be a part of God's story. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we ask that our lives would be about your story. They would be about magnifying your name, bringing you glory and honor for the love and service, the kindness and grace that you displayed for us through Jesus Christ on the cross. Father, if there's anyone who does not know you, Lord, may this be the day that they lay down their resistance. Father, that they accept, that they believe your truth. And Father, for those of us who have begun that path and that journey, Lord, help us to understand that it's not not just about entering God's family so that we may get all the benefits, but God, it's about entering your mission and your story And we have a part to play as your body and your hands and feet. That we share your love and salvation with all mankind. So that each one might have the very same opportunity to be forever with you. To be eternally part of your family. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.